Welcome to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. I am your host, Arthur Yan, co-founder and CEO of Nest Protection Plan. We partner with restorers, contractors, real estate professionals, and other entrepreneurs to increase their revenue, grow their business valuation, and help them build a platform of services for homeowners across the country. We think every American family and property owner deserves peace of mind for their health, indoor living, and longevity, all for less than a dollar a day. Also, I love forming relationships. Add me on Facebook or LinkedIn today and let's connect. Oh, and stick around to the end of this episode. We'll reveal how you or someone you know can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Here we go. What is going on, everybody? How's everybody doing? Appreciate you joining us for episode number 38 of the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. I am your host, Arthur Yan, and uh, we are very, very excited. Um, we, I'm, I'm honored, actually, to have our guest that we have on today, um, and we're going to jump right into talking with him. I don't want to waste any time at all. Um, he is He doesn't really need an introduction. So many people have heard about his work. Uh, but he is an author. He is a speaker. He is a very influential uh, person. In fact, he's written the Go-Giver series of books, uh, which has sold over a million copies. He is Mr. Bob Berg. Bob, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Arthur. Very kind of you, and it's an honor to, to be with you today. Well, I definitely can say the same for uh, for you, for myself, having you on. Um, very honored, very thankful, Bob. Uh, let's get started. I uh, know... Um, not everybody's heard of you, but a lot of people have. But uh, tell us a little bit about how you got started and and really came up with the with this mindset of the go giver mentality. Um, you know, however long ago that was, I know it's been years ago when you started that transition. But can you tell us how that got started? Uh, yeah, so I I went from being a broadcaster to being in sales. And sales is really where I got my education. Uh, I, once I, I got into sales with no sales experience, no formal training, I began reading, seeking out books. And because I did, I had no, uh, even where I started to work, there was no real training there too. I was kind of on my own and I stumbled around for a few months or so. Um, fortunately, I found books by, by sales icons, Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins. And this is 40 years ago. And I, I didn't even know what I was looking for. I just went to the bookstore to find something because I knew I just didn't know what I was doing. And they really, you know, had created a methodology. And I, it was the first time I, I kind of saw that if someone had, has been there before and has already done something, if you can kind of, um, you know, emulate what they've done. Uh, you can really succeed. It's really, when you think about it, it's like it's following a system, right? And I personally define a system as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. The key is predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired results of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and continue to do A, and eventually you'll get the desired results. So I saw that in those books, and I began to study sales and um, began to get, well, back then it was audio tapes and so forth. I mean, this is a long time ago, and uh, began to go to sales seminars. And, and one of the greatest things, though, was the understanding that the how-to aspect of sales, as important as it was, was just one part of it. It was really the, the personal development 
element. So I began reading books like How to Win Friends and Influence People and The Magic of Thinking Big and uh, Think and Grow Rich and Psycho-Cybernetics and uh, The Greatest Salesman in the World and you know, all these, these classics, right? And, and began really building myself on the inside. And I think really uh, that's so much of what success is. It's an inside job which manifests itself outwardly. Um, and, you know, from there, I, I eventually worked my way up to sales manager of another company and began teaching it myself and uh, morphed from, you know, sales into just just regular sales to then the, the kind of the business networking aspect. I had a book out back in the 90s called Endless Referrals, Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales, which was a system for, for entrepreneurs and salespeople who knew they had a great product or service. They knew it brought fantastic value to others, but they didn't necessarily feel comfortable going out into their local communities and creating the kinds of relationships that would cause people to want to do business with them directly and refer them to others. The the basic premise of endless referrals was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And this was the system, how to build those relationships. But I, I always uh, had enjoyed reading business parables uh, because I think, as you know, stories connect on a, a much deeper level than just, you know, simply how, simple how-to books. Uh, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could take that premise and turn it into a story? And fortunately, in the early 2000s, I met a guy named John David Mann, who was the editor-in-chief of a magazine I was writing a monthly column for. And uh, he had a great reputation within his niche as a fantastic writer and storyteller. So I brought this basic idea to him, very undeveloped and so forth. But uh, he agreed to work with me on it. And we co-authored the, the first book, The Go-Giver, which came out in the early 2008 basically um and then you know from there there's been a series so that's really how it how it it, it came to be well and that's a, a fantastic story bob and um you know as we as i mentioned you've sold over a million copies of the series uh and and you've made such a strong impact on so many uh different businesses big and small you've spoken in front of a lot of uh people large crowds you just had such a major impact. And uh, and those of us that implement your mindset, your strategies, we know just how powerful, I mean, it is when you truly uh, listen to your, you know, your the strategies and, and just that whole go-giver approach, um, it changes everything for your business, for your, your personal life. Um, so what do you say to people that may walk up and they say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why? Why would I want to give away more and expect to somehow grow more out of that? What would what do you say to those people? Yeah. So if we look at the premise of, of the go-giver itself, it, it, it simply says this, that shifting your focus, and this is really where it all begins, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Understanding that doing so is not only a more fulfilling way of conducting business, but Arthur, it's the most financially profitable way as well. But, but let's answer that question that people have, because this is not about some kind of woo-woo, way out there, magical, mystical kind of idea. Oh, just give yourself away and this. No, of course not. It actually ties very much into human nature. It's very, and it's very rational. It's very logical. Think about it. And I often say this when I speak at sales conferences, nobody is going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Okay. 
No one's going to buy from you because you want to make a sale. No one's going to buy from you because you need the money. Nobody's going to buy from you just because you're a really nice human being. They're going to buy from you ultimately because they believe that they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. Now, this is actually great news for that entrepreneur or salesperson who really has a heart for service because, you know, when, when your focus is on them, not on you, and remember, they're not buying because of you, right? So when your focus is genuinely and authentically on them, on providing them immense value, making this customer experience so superb. And I mean, from the very moment you meet this person, whether it's inbound, whether it's outbound, whether you've met locally, uh, whether it's a referral, an introduction, what have you, through the relationship building process, through the follow-up, the follow-through, the sales process, the referral process, to the degree that you make that experience for that other person through your focus on them. So superb, right? It, it just creates that benevolent context for your success. So there's nothing self-sacrificial or martyrish uh, about focusing on the other person. In a free market-based economy, which fortunately we still have, you know, remnants of, right? In um, uh, free market, simply meaning no one's forced to do business with anyone else, right? So they don't have to do business with you. So it's only by making it great for them that the business is going to come your way. <laughs> and it's such a powerful message and it's so true. Uh, and, you know, I, it's, it's interesting how people don't realize that where they, they think that talking about themselves is going to somehow make uh, someone want to, uh, to buy from them because right. they're not focused on the other person's uh, needs or the other right. person's uh, problems. And so yeah. it, it's fantastic. Um, and Bob, the, uh, the way that you do it in the go-giver and, and, in your other books too, uh, you tell stories so well, you're an excellent storyteller. Uh, and, and it's just such a, a phenomenal way to get a message across to people. So tell us how you were inspired to write, uh, the go-giver as the, in the way that you did. Yeah. Well, so, you know, uh, so, and I gotta tell you, John is really, he's the storyteller. Okay, I got to give credit to this guy's a, a, a brilliant writer. I mean, this is a guy, not only that, it's interesting. He now, not only has he co-authored a, a lot of books, both how-to, but also parables with other people. Um, he's now also written uh, mystery thrillers. Uh, in fact, I know you were recently in Iceland, I believe. Uh, one of his books was uh, called Cold Fear. It was a murder mystery uh, that took place in Iceland. Okay, uh, He's got a three-part series out that was Steel Fear, Cold Fear, and now the next one is Blind Fear. And I mean, he's just in, he, he co-authors these with Brandon Webb, who was a Navy SEAL. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, John is the, the storyteller and he's just, just brilliant. So I got to give credit to John for that. Uh, for me, it's easier to tell a story from stage than it is to actually write one, a parable. So we kind of take the, you know, the how-to aspect and the storytelling and, and mix it together and it, and, you know, it comes up, but I, I wanted to make it a story though. I wanted this one to be nice, short and sweet uh, because it, Again, I just think people relate to that. And it's just so much easier for people. I know whenever I've read parables, uh, yeah, I always, and there's so many great ones out there, you know, whether it's Chris Widener or, or um, Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton, go for no, or, or whether uh, John uh, Gordon or, or, you know, just uh, back in the day, uh, you know, Spencer Johnson and Ken Blanchard. And there's so many great ones. Uh, I don't even want to leave anybody out, but I obviously... <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, I always feel a connection with the author, with the characters, with the message. And, and I think others feel that way as well. And, and that's really why we wrote it as a parable. Well, and it's, it's really just a, it's such a way that sticks with people because I feel like they, you know, I personally relate to a lot of those um, characters or to the way the characters interact with each other. So I, I and it, like you said, um, you, John deserves a lot of the credit. I mean, he uh, obviously was heavily involved with you and of course, leave it be to you, a very uh, selfless person. You're going to obviously share the, um, the credit in such an awesome way. Uh, and Bob, I wanted, you mentioned, yes, I, we did talk about how I've traveled to Iceland and I took along a copy of Adversaries into Allies, which Thank is you. another one of your books. <laughs> and that so I read it. Yeah. yeah, it's, well, and it's just, it's another, just such a powerful book. And one of the things you talk about among many things is uh, a person's default setting. And uh, you talked about how people do that. They default to some way, how they react to a situation. You were able to retrain yourself and redefault yourself to tell us how you were able to do that and how people can do that as well. Yeah. So, you know, a default setting on a computer might be uh 12 point Helvetica, right? It's going to come up on your word program every time. It's always going to come. It's going to default to 12 point Helvetica, unless you do what? Go in there and reprogram it right? And have it come up with something else. Well, as human beings, we all, by the way, are, are subject to our own, uh, what I call unconscious operating system. This is the set of beliefs we have that we were, we were given and we unconsciously accepted a, a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, popular culture, cultural mores, what uh, Don Miguel Ruiz in his book, The Four Agreements, and his newest one, The Fifth Agreement, calls, well, what he calls, agreements, right? We didn't necessarily consciously agree. It's just what we accepted, right? And so so one of those, uh, and one of the things we we often do is we accept that, unconsciously accept that we have a, a certain default setting ourselves. Now, some people, they when when there's a, 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 a tense situation that comes up, they might default to anger or they might default to victimhood or they might default to anxiety, or they might default to, there's a whole bunch of, of different, they, aloofness, they could, there's the, all, all sorts of default settings. Um, you know, mine was an anger setting. I mean, that's this is what I had. And uh, and there was no reason for me to necessarily have that. Uh, it just, just what I had, it was how I was built. Um, and so, you know, at, a, at at about 35 years old, I went through a, an entire kind of redo of Bob Berg, uh, what today would be called, you know, 2.0 when you, you know, do a brand new version of something. But back then, you know, it was just, and the reason it happened was because Charlie Tremendous Jones, who you're probably too young to remember, but he was one of the real, you know, the speakers back then, along with Zig and, and some of the others who were, uh, he, he wrote a book called Life is Tremendous. And that was his big book, but he was a huge book person. And he just, just a, a great, great guy, mentor to so many people. But he sent me um, uh, uh, the, the, a book, The Autobiography by Benjamin Franklin. And in the book, Benjamin Franklin talked about, and, and you know, I was 35 when I came to the conclusion, but, but Ben was 20 uh, when he came to the conclusion that there were certain character traits he had 
that were very counterproductive in terms of his own success and the way he dealt with others and the way he dealt with the world and so forth. So he he kind of developed his own personal development system where he took the 13 traits he needed to improve and he he put a system together for doing that. It's it's right in his book for anybody who gets the book, The Autobiography by Ben Franklin. I recommend it constantly. And so I followed Ben's system. Again, what's a system? The process of predictably achieving a goal based on, right, as we were talking about earlier. And so, you know, there were things I realized I had to change about myself. And one was my default setting. I needed to lose this anger and be able to, to, to respond in a more calm uh, way that was going to be productive when I dealt with people. Not And it wasn't, by the way, that my anger came out in any kind of really outward thing. It was more of an internal anger that just kept me from thinking logically and rationally and being able to problem solve. And so, uh, you know, I realized that if I was going to be a leader, if I was going to be a producer, if I was going to be someone who had who was going to, to have influence, uh, I was going to need to really learn to control my own emotions. And, uh, and that was a biggie. And you see that as, as you know, that, that was the first part of uh, adversaries and allies to be able to, you know, control your emotions. That's just, and it's yeah. such a powerful story. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and, and you mentioned, it's funny too. I mean, you mentioned uh, being a big Ben Franklin fan and, and uh, I'm into history as well. And of course, Ben Franklin was also, one of the first people to realize that you can actually uh, coerce people through the use of press, you know, for the printing when he was working for the, uh, the newspaper right. Right. Uh, business. And, and I don't mean in a bad way. I think he realized that you could uh, do that in a good and in a powerful uh, way. So, but that's oh, the difference. Oh, excuse me. Go ahead. Oh no, no, go ahead, Bob. I mean, I think it's the difference between manipulation and persuasion, mm-hmm. whereas you know, influenced by death, desired action usually within the context of a specific goal you can do it two different ways though there's there's persuasion which is all about helping the other person to uh, to do something in their best interest okay and it, it typically is advantage to both parties then there's manipulation manipulation is all about getting what we want and not caring about the other person's needs, okay? And a manipulator may not want to necessarily harm another person, but if that's what it takes to get what they want, they will do so. That's mm-hmm. manipulation. Uh, you know, a, a persuader could never do that. For a persuader to feel good about themselves, they've got to know that not only did the other person also, um, um you know, realize, you know, a, a benefit, but the other person has to feel good about it as well. Um, yeah. And yeah. And so, I, and, and that was really Benjamin Franklin and, and he used his powers of, of influence for good. He persuaded. And uh, he was, uh, you know, he also uh, talks about in his book, talks about many, when I think I use a couple of his examples in adversaries into allies where, uh, where he learned to rather than being dogmatic in his, uh, statements learn to say things with some deference and humility, understanding that it had nothing to do. Having humility did not mean he did not have confidence. It was mm-hmm. a way of connecting with another human being in a way that that person could accept his suggestions much more readily. Yeah. Well, and and I really just think that um, it, it it shows even more how how much you um, study into p- examples of how people have done it before. 
and it worked before. So you followed along that same trajectory. Um, also, Bob, I want to ask you this because so many people don't realize that, you know, the greatest authors, the greatest business, um, people, the greatest, uh, influencers have all gone through and had failures along the way. Um, what is one of your, that you might identify as one of your greatest failures that you've had along the way? And how did you learn from that experience? Yeah, well, first, I mean, I've had many, many, many failures, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and so uh, to try to choose from them can be one that was back in the late, I'd say mid to late 90s, where um, technology was just really getting to, you know, the internet was really starting to become a thing. And I am not a tech person, um, not by nature. And I did not want to, and, and, you know, at this point, a lot of my clients were beginning to really, you know, that was, that was what they were getting into and that they were, and I just said, you know, I just don't want to go that route. You know, I, I don't want to get all computery and I don't want to, I want the, the regular way I'm doing things. In other words, I didn't want to change. Now there's a, you know, there's a, there are certain things in the personal development movement that, that I call the political, politically correct aspect of personal development. And, and some of the things are, oh, change is good. We love change. We embrace change. Well, you know what? I hate change. I like to get really good at something and then just keep going with that. <laughs> Here's the thing. It doesn't matter what I like. <laughs> what matters is what is. Okay. And what happened was I lost a lot of business because I wasn't willing to change. And, you know, what I had to, to learn, which I should have already known by then, uh, was that, you know, it, you don't have to like change. You just have to be willing to do it if you want the results that you want. And so I'd say a big failure was just not adapting with the times, not changing with the times, even though the truth of the situation said, you know, you, you need to do this. You're not that big that you can just keep doing it your own way. Uh, when everybody else around you and your clients are wanting that change. Well, and it sounds like a, a, a pretty common lesson because <laughs> um, I know that I've, I've been through a similar um, situation or two, and I know a lot of uh, business owners have too, because you're right. People, a lot of people don't like change and, and what makes it harder is not the change itself. It's resisting the change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And, uh, and, and so Bob, I wanted to, to ask you a little bit more too, about, um, your based on everything that you've seen over the years and years of working, um, with, with businesses and working with, uh, you know, I guess entrepreneurs on a small level, and then all the way up to very, very large companies. Um, what is something that you could say, or a piece of advice you might give to somebody that's saying, we're trying to get to that next step. Um, obviously we're implementing, uh, or they should be implementing a go-giver mentality as they're doing it, but what's something else um, that you might say they really need to, um, you know, focus on? What maybe that one piece of advice that they would need to do uh, as they're working their way to that next level? Well, I think while it's all, while it's all individual in terms of what we need to improve upon our, our ourself, um, I think it always goes back to asking yourself that, that very question, what do we need to do? 
because every all improvement, you know, begins with first acknowledging that there's a necessity for it. Right. Um, so what do you do? Well, uh, you know, again, I'm going to go back to tapping into people who already are where you want to be and discovering from them, you know, how they got to where they are and what what you would need to do. Now, obviously, depending upon your business, it can be principle based in terms of general principles of what they've done, but it can also be very specific. You know, if you have X type of business, it's finding out, OK, what did that company do? That's where we want to be. What did they do to go from, you know, point A to point B? Um, you know, and then there's, uh, you know, there's, there's books, uh, Gina Wickman's book, Traction. He talks about the EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, which has taken many, many, many businesses from, you know, from, from where they were, which was successful, to where they wanted to be, which was super successful, and they followed his system for doing it, you know. And, and so that's a proven way of reaching that, you know, that next step. But there might be certain areas that it's just a matter of needing to tighten up. But again, until you acknowledge it, you know, you just don't know. Uh, I think also it's it's creating a very safe environment for people to within the company to be able to give feedback to one another that's truthful. Okay, Now, that doesn't mean it's not done tactfully and respectfully. Okay, but it but it's always done in a way that truth is a very, very high value. And that that leader that leadership welcomes that and wants that. You know, the book Principles by Ray Dalio, I think he made a great point in terms of the building of his his empire, was that it was absolutely necessary necessary for people. It was expected for people. It didn't matter where they were in the company, to even if it was Ray himself that there was an issue. They needed to let him know if they saw something that was that he was doing wrong, you know. Um, so, again, I think as long as it's done respectfully and tactfully, I think to have a culture where people trust one another uh, and they, they know everyone has the best interest of the company and everyone else in mind. And that respectful truth is a high value that right there can take your company to a whole new level because most of your competitors are not operating that way. That's such a fantastic point. And I think that brings up another uh, piece of adversaries and allies where you've got you've got two types of leaders, right? The the type that they get their self-esteem from, you know, giving orders and being a leader or, or they, I guess, put, claim to be a leader. <laughs> and then those that actually um, lead by getting, you know, feedback. And like you said, I mean, being able to handle that and kind of take the ego away They're um, and that's just, that's such a powerful lesson. We've seen it time and time again, where, um, the people at, at the top of an organization, you know, they falter because they're not willing to hear, uh, the advice or they get offended by it or it bruises their ego. <laughs> well, well, when the, you know, the, the ego is an interesting thing because the, you know, the, when you hear about ego and you always hear, Oh, lose your ego, there's that ego in and of itself isn't a bad thing. Uh, it's sort of like gravity. It's, it's, you know, gravity is gravity good or bad. Well, it depends. I mean, it's good when it keeps you floating aimlessly up into space. It's bad when you walk off a seven story building. Okay. So it's the same with ego. Ego just is, it's that sense of oneself. It's the I it's okay. And when we control our ego, ego can help us accomplish a whole lot of great things for ourselves and for the world around us. Absolutely. But when the ego is controlling its host, 
when the ego is controlling the person, now a lot of bad things can happen. And someone who may have gotten to where they are through a sense of humility, hard work, um, um, uh, working well with others and doing some of those things, okay, and they become a great leader, okay, and as John David Mann says, you know, L-E-A-D, lead, well, they get start getting it reversed and they think they're the deal, D-E-A-L, it's actually sideways, not opposite, but, <laughs> you know, lead, they become the deal, well, now you start losing people's trust people yeah. have you there's no right there's and that's hard to hard to get back so yes that leader has to understand you know i i personally believe that today's great leader understands that they are simply the head servant they are there to create a a benevolent environment for those who they lead to thrive Wow. And it just makes so much sense when you look at it and digest it that way. <laughs> um, and Bob, I wanted to, uh, well, first of all, I wanted you to, you know, I want to confirm your website is Berg.com, B-U-R-G.com. <laughs> and uh, and people, so people can um, reach you or get in touch on that website. They obviously can find you in a lot of different uh, social media platforms. Um, and of course, your book series, the Go-Giver book series, uh, you've also written multiple other books. Um, so I wanted to wrap up and I really appreciate once again, you being on the show, but I always like to wrap up with just kind of a fun off the, you know, off the path question, but you've got behind you a very large collection of books. I know you read a lot. Um, tell us maybe your top three books that have influenced you the most throughout your life. Is that a tough question? <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it is because again, there's so many, and this is, you know, this is one small part of my library. I'm, I always say my house is, is comprised of books with some scattered furniture, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's some that are just so outstanding. Um, uh, and forgive me for turning my back on you to, to go to the, the library here. There's one, this was written in 1910 uh, by Orson Sweat Martin. He was actually the founder of Success Magazine and many consider him the uh, sort of the, the, the founder of today's modern personal development movement. It's mm -hmm. called Peace, Power, and Plenty. And it's a magnificent, magnificent book. When you think of peace, inner peace, power, not over others, over ourselves. And plenty, which is prosperity. And every page is just a, a gem with nuggets of gold um, throughout. That is, uh, I think that's something that everybody listening, and I know I'm going to now put that on my list. <laughs> uh, uh, when you get a recommendation from Bob Berg, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely take that and, and run with it. So it's peace, power, and plenty. Okay. And you're reaching for another one. Well, this is Psycho-Cybernetics, written in 1960, or published in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. This is really the first book that, that where I learned that it's our unconscious beliefs, okay? It's our belief system, which determines everything we do in life. And we can never attain more. We can never achieve more than our most limiting beliefs. And he goes through this uh, just in such a magnificent way, and then... Uh, he begins to share with us how we can even reprogram those unconscious thoughts and make them conscious and then have them working for us. Uh, wow. Okay. And that's psycho cyber uh, psycho cybernetics, cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. Okay. 
two very uh, highly recommended books by um, Bob. And then, of course, I would go with Benjamin Franklin, the autobiography. Okay, excellent. I, I was wondering if you were going to add that in the, in that list. <laughs> well, that that is fantastic, Bob, and I appreciate you sharing that with with everybody. Um, I now there you have it. You got three more recommendations from Bob Berg: um, Peace, Power, and Plenty. Uh, it's a uh, cyber psycho cybernetics, and then um, the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. Bob, uh, I can't thank you enough. I'm very honored, very uh, thankful to have you on the show. You've you've brought so much insight, and obviously, there's just so much people can gain from following the Go Giver mindset and following you know everything that you've put out there. You've uh, you've helped so many businesses and so many people change their their thought processes, and and uh, you truly are living out everything you teach. So. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Arthur. I appreciate it very much. Uh, love the work you're doing, and I, I wish you all the best of continued success. Well, thank you so much, Bob. That means the world to me, and hopefully everyone listening has gotten a lot out of this show with Bob. Um, once again, he's Bob Berg. He's the author of the Go-Giver series, um, which he has co-authored with John David Mann. Uh, you can find him at Berg.com. You can find his books pretty much anywhere. <laughs> he has sold over a million copies and he has helped uh, millions of people across the world. Bob, thanks again. And uh, we will talk soon. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, this has been another episode of the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. Hope everybody has an excellent week and we will check you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs> Arthur Yon here. Thank you so much for listening to the Home Service Small Business Spotlight. If you are a successful restorer, contractor, or home service provider who would like to be on this program, please visit jointhenestteam.com slash go. If you got something out of this interview, would you also share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the social. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag HSSP Spotlight. I love seeing your posts, love seeing your guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and your reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, jointhenestteam.com slash go, or follow me on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.